You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. G'day, Mike, and welcome to The Worship Review, the podcast that does the legwork for your favorite Christians musicians <laughs> who don't want to explain what they're talking about when they're singing. My name is Tyler. I'm a linguist. I'm a PhD candidate, and I'm joined by Colin. Hey, I got my PhD, and now I'm a history professor and a former worship leader as well, and co-host of this podcast. And an elitist. And today <laughs> we're taking a look at a song by a familiar artist named Corey Asbury. You may know him from such titles as Reckless Love and Holy Spirit Party. You're joking. Nope. Oh my no, 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 no. Not Holy Spirit. I think it's Holy Ghost Party. Oh, wow. Um, which, by the way, we reviewed his Reckless Love on the first series of this podcast. So if you want to catch that review, you should go into the back catalog. Don't do that until after you listen to this one. That's right. This is going to be good. I can just tell. Holy Ghost Party, we have not done yet. Maybe if it becomes popular, we will do it again. Yeah. Australia, did you know, Colin, has more kangaroos than people? Yeah, I pro- that seems about right. Yep. They all live in that center part, probably. I think, yeah. Which, the where north. no people live. Yeah, there's a huge swath of Australia that's totally yeah. devoid of people. Uh, did you know that Australian English has over 5,000 diminutives in use? A diminutive is a word formation tool for making something smaller. So, <laughs> like, in in American English, you have Jim for James okay. or Jimmy. Uh, but um, in Australian English, you can go from James to Jimmy to Jim to Jimbo, right? Which I don't think anyone would hear. Or David to Davo or John to John. Davo. So, Yeah. Divo. <laughs> that's interesting because I thought everything got bigger in Australia. Right? Uh, that's Texas. No, no, that's... giant Foster's beer cans over there. Oh, and the and the spiders there are yeah, they massive. Yeah, so many big things. Yeah, no big uh, knives. <laughs> Gotta kill those uh, crocs. Ah, I get it now. Okay, yeah. there are more than a hundred indigenous languages still in use in Australia. Most of them um, endangered. But that is down from 250 to 300 at the time of Captain James Cook's landing in 1770. Okay. The voyage, the voyage which later led to Australia becoming a prison colony for the English. Uh, so. Can't ever escape that, Australians. And why would you want to? I mean, sure. It's it, it's there's something sure, it's a little bit humiliating to have descended from criminals, but there's Something kind of roguish about that that's yeah. charming to me. Um, I mean, could you say any different for the United States? No. They're all, they're all they, yeah. we are uh, rebels. largely descendants of treasonous rebels. Yeah. So, Although, you know, it was actually quite a small minority that were in favor of rebellion against the United Kingdom. Well, they were vocal, weren't they? They were a vocal minority. Also elitist, just like me, by the way. According to Daily Mail, half of Australians eat Vegemite every day. Wow. And the other half can't stand it. Yeah, and Vegemite is made from leftover brewer's yeast extract with uh, spices and herbs and other things to add flavor. Have you tried it, Tyler? I have. I'm not a fan of no, it. I'm not a fan. Couldn't do it. Um, 
It should be criminal, but I guess what does that mean? And today we're taking a look at Corey Asbury's song called The Father's House. Let's let's ease into this a little yeah. bit. Colin, what's The Father's House about? Okay. The Father's House is about, I think, a person who is aware of some problems of some kind. Like For those of you who don't know Colin that well, when he starts with, I think, it is a bad sign. So this is, <laughs> that was a slight, I don't know if you noticed. Okay, so there's some problems, as you were saying? Someone's well, got some problems? Yeah, the like some mistakes or some weaknesses uh, th- this person is in a bad way in some capacity but then they go to the father's house so they go to the father's house or they're they're in the father's house and the father gets to I mean okay so I, I want to say that the father helps them but that's not actually necessarily clear in this song there there is the this they're in the father's house in this song and the person is around the father like in the presence of the father and in the same house with the father and then like good good and or better things happen to the person and um the father also there is something that the father does do the father does um define the person whatever that means maybe the syntax Possibly. is okay. there. Okay. But yes. So it, the father might at least do one thing. But okay. so so really we just have a person with problems. They're in the presence of a father in the father's house and things get better for them. That that is the best way that I could summarize this song. Am I missing anything? It's a very literal reading, but uh, yeah, when when the father's in the room, right? A lot of good stuff happens. Yeah. Um and scriptural stuff sometimes yeah so, sure yeah okay colin let's take a look and figure out uh, what the father's house is where we are and what's happening sometimes on this journey i get lost in my mistakes it looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength and my story isn't over my story's just begun Fail you won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Come on. You wake up on a space shuttle and you don't know what year it is, what galaxy you're in. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. And my story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, cause that's what my father does. Yeah, failure won't define me, because that's what my father does. Oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, so we have some, just in this whole chunk of text, we have several metaphors. We have this idea of a journey, the metaphor of a journey, and then getting lost on the journey. And then we also have a metaphor, like an art metaphor, where there's a canvas. And that's a different metaphor, because a journey doesn't have anything to do with a canvas. And then we have another he's metaphor. a traveling painter. Okay. Obviously, he's a traveling painter. And evidently an author, because the third metaphor is about a story. Mm-hmm. So there's also a 
a story. Now, I think the same thing is being talked about in all three metaphors, and I think it's life. So the journey is life, and the canvas is life, um, and the story is life, like a person's life, I think. Okay. Um, Why are you being so reductionary? I'm just, I'm just working with what he gives me. Um, so, so we, so, so there's a this this person is alive, and their life is moving. Their life is going on, and the person has made mistakes. The person has weakness, um, and the person has failed. So these are the problems. Now, not sin, uh, just weakness, failure, and mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what the idea is, is that God, presumably, God is the Father. Again, we don't actually have God mentioned, I think, in this song. I don't recall God being mentioned. But in the context, we'd probably safely say this is God, not somebody else. God is going to... uh, fix this in some way. So God is strong. And so, I don't know, the verse is just kind of about the person and this kind of this vague hope that stuff's going to get better. And then maybe that God actually gets to define them. But you said that syntax you're not sure that that's even the case. I think the syntax allows that, but allows something else, which is more sinister. But maybe we can take, can we take it one... Yeah, One at a time. sure. There's a journey. Sometimes on this journey, I get lost in my mistakes. Yeah. Is that I made a wrong turn on the journey, and that's my mistake, and now I'm lost? Or is it I put the wrong gasoline in the car, and now it doesn't go, and yeah, now I'm lost? Know. No idea. Okay, nope. but it's a mistake. Just a mistake. And it's not, as you said, it's not named as sin. No. Um, but it's clearly missing the mark, right? That yeah. would be a good word for a mistake. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, and and that's one, you know, there are many, there are th- I think three or four definitions for sin in scripture. Missing the mark is certainly one of them. Yeah, because right? you can always, even in the, I the eyes well, of the world, right? yeah, you can say I had good intentions or, you know, I, I tried, yeah. you know, and, and expect some kind of gratitude right. for trying, right. but failing. Which that, that does not, I mean, again, that's biblical, but that is not complete, sure. right? In no way does that capture the essence of sin. So. And then what looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. Do you think this is a reference to 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul describes having a thorn in his side and he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you think he's referencing that in some sense? I think, sense? yeah, it's vaguely probably this idea that, like, when I am weak, he is strong, this kind of concept, and you see that there in that scripture as well. Um, but he doesn't really do anything with it. So in in the terms that, in, in the sense that strength and weakness are used together and in this kind of ironic way, that that is similar. But that's about it. Can I, can I actually go a step further? Yeah. I think he actually betrays this verse if okay, this why is do you what think he's that? trying to do he says what looks to me like weakness so he doesn't even admit oh, that he has right. a weakness he's saying <laughs> well i have this mistake it looks to me like weakness but it's really a canvas for your strength so the sentiment there is um he's actually distancing himself from, from identifying as one with a weakness whereas paul clearly says when i am weak 
then I yes. am strong I am in weak. Christ, and mm. I will boast in my weaknesses. Not I will boast in what appears to me to be a weakness about myself. <laughs> yes. right. uh, it's it's. Right. I, I realize there's a subtlety of the grammar no, there that I'm meaningful. being picky about, but I think it is. It's useful. It's like, well, did you sin? And you're like, well. I did what appears to me to be sin. Yeah. You're like, okay, so, so yeah. you sinned, right? You're it, a sinner. And this is not an accusation, but if you've ever met a narcissist, they talk like this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm. I'm not saying he's a narcissist. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like that's- Quit projecting your narcissism onto this man. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that we see, right? They're like, I'm, I'm like, apologies. Like, I'm sorry if you felt that I said this, right? right. Or I'm, right this kind of thing. That boils, that is like boiling water on the skin if you've encountered it before, because then whenever you hear it after that, you think, okay, so I'm the problem for perceiving right. this to be right. an issue and, and not you for having done this thing right, exactly. to me. Um, okay, my story isn't over. My story's just begun. I'm wondering, is this a recent convert? Did his story just begin? I mean, did he did he not have a... a like, well, in many Christian circles, you talk about having a testimony, and that's a story of you even before you were a Christian. Yeah. I don't know if it's conversion or if he's just saying that he's failed in some way and, you know, made mistakes and, but, you know, that doesn't mean that his story is over. Actually, he's, he's a new creature. Maybe you could say that. Oh, like, okay. You know, yeah. his mercies are new every morning. So this could in theory be like ongoing mercy, ongoing newness that comes or a reflection on the infinity of heaven, right? Because yeah. in comparison with an unbounded arrow in one direction, even this finite amount of time on the other half of it before the point at the present is going to be infinitesimally small. Yeah, but we don't know. Okay, failure won't define me because that's what my father does. I want to hear what you have to say about this. I think this, this is unfortunate yeah. syntax. What is meant is my father defines me, right? But yes. here's the hinge, here's the question. What is the antecedent of the relative pronoun that? If that doesn't make any sense to you, what I mean is what idea, what concept is housed within this well, okay, pronoun actually, actually, that? Yeah, actually it's failure. So that's that's kind of where I'm going. A pronoun stands in the place of an idea, a concept, sometimes even an entire sentence, and in this context, what is it pointing back to? Because certainly defining me could be that thing conceptually. Yeah. But the most literal reading of this uh, also affords the idea that the that in that's what my father's does is failure. Yeah. Failure doesn't define me. Because that's what my father does. Right. My father fails. <laughs> now, he does, Corey Asbury does not of mean course my not. father no, fails. Of course not. But boy, what a glaring hole yeah. to leave open. And what music producer in California or Nashville, wherever they are, yeah. heard this and said, oh yeah, it sounds fine to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I can, I, can let it, I can let it slide if one guy does this or if the guy listening to him doesn't catch it. But that producers heard this, radio hosts play yeah. this song, and no one seems to be bothered by that is yeah. odd to me. No, it's funny, because I, I read that the same way when I first read the lyrics. And then I was like, well, no, 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 that's not what he means. But but yes, I did the same thing that you did, right? Because I'm used to reading this, again, I bring up essays again. Oh, yeah. Students constantly do this. They begin a sentence with this. And they don't actually define what the this yes. is. Yes, like what is the antecedent? Exactly. And oftentimes, it, because they do that, it doesn't actually connect to what they think it does. Yep. So which is why you have to actually define what that thing is. 
Yes. In, so in, in such cases, the best thing to do if you have multiple drafts is to say, no pronouns. Right. All nouns, right. lay it all out. You have right. to say, John went to the store. John bought his mom. Right. Exactly. John bought John's mom right. a cake. John bought John's sister a this, because right. you can't say her twice because it's right. ambiguous. Right. So in this case, I mean, if I read this textually as well before I listened to it, and it read to me like something like this. A, uh, a, the son of a miller is standing outside of a mill, and he says, milling doesn't define me because that's what my father does. And he right. means my father defines me. Right. But what he's just said is, is milling. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a miller. My last name is Miller. My dad does milling. Like we all operate this op- this mill together. So I read it. I, I admit I read it not the way that he intended, but he still left it open. Okay. And, and good writing does not leave things open to false interpretations. Yeah. So, so, so we needed an English major somewhere. This is one of the few places in the world in which an English major is needed. But um, <laughs> All right. Say, fail, you won't define me, because that's what my father does. Ooh, just lay your burdens down. Ooh, and here Lay your bird. Oh no no. Oh, no, 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 it's the problem is it's not even oh it's ooh ooh lay your burdens down ooh here in the father's house check your shame at the door ooh because it ain't welcome anymore ooh ooh you were in the father's house I almost made it through yeah hold on Tyler I, through. I think my house is haunted <laughs> Can I, okay so this I need to I need to make a shout out here. Um, there's an excellent website called the Berean Test. Oh yeah, sure. And this person, this man, goes through songs, not exclusively Christian songs. Sometimes they're just radio songs oh, really? that have, um, like this. There was a song very popular a few years ago called "Take Me to Church," <laughs> and the Berean Test guy, uh, I should look up his name, um, the author of this blog, looked at that song and said, "What is it saying about God? What is it saying about church, etc." Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. The Berean test looked at Corey Asbury's The Father's House and said, among other things, this chorus includes five calls to Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) Clever. uh, And having read it textually, I looked at what was in the chorus as an O. But listening to the song, it is unmistakably an ooh, ooh. and even an ascending ooh. Oh my! I mean, it, it is quite ghastly, if you will. So, okay, lay your burdens down. Yeah. Okay. So, Colin, cast your burden upon the Lord. Right. Just as a whole, uh, I just want to say something because the real center of this chorus is about being in the Father's house. So, there's obviously this bit about the burdens being cast down, which. In this context, again, we don't know what they are, but the the whole chorus is all about coming into the house. So they're in the father's house. You check your shame at the door. Check and, your coat at the door. Yeah, is that what you said? very similar. And laying your burdens down, presumably in the father's house, is like stuff you're bringing with you. Okay, 
right? You have to leave all that at the door. Yeah, you have to leave the stuff you brought with you at the door, which presumably is some euphemism for I don't know what. Maybe some of the stuff that we saw in the first verse, like mistakes and failure and weakness. I think, yeah, burdens might be a euphemism, but shame, I think we can take literally. Yeah, Someone's sure. ashamed of themselves or yeah. their history. Yeah, so, so shame is probably there too, because um, we've got that in the third line. Check your shame at the door. Although, if you check something... Uh, <laughs> you pick it up you on your way out. You pick it back up on your way out, like you take a number, so it's like... The big question here, Colin, is what is the Father's house? Yeah. Is this the church? Okay, so this is a, this is a problem, I think, um, because the song... Yes. The song is presumably sung in a church. The video has them singing right. in a church. So there is And clearly, even says here. Yes. There's an adverb of place right. meant to imply we are in the place that I'm describing. Exactly. So it seems like quite strongly that the song is saying that in a church is where God is. God is physically in a building, right? That is a very— you mean the Holy Spirit is present, Colin? I'm being the, a little bit facetious to get you to draw it out. Right. So are you saying that the Holy Spirit is present in the church, or are you saying something beyond that? There seems to be a clear—he's not saying that—he's not explicitly saying that God doesn't exist outside the church, but he seems to connect a special presence in a church building. And this is a very pagan notion, actually. So and what about where two or more are gathered in yes, my name there? Am yes, I but also? That's not, that has nothing to do with the building. Two or more can gather anywhere. So it seems to me that he is he is talking about the church building. Um, I I really think that's where he's going. If we think about the context in which this song is sung, and just the emphasis on the the kind of house, we have Ephesians chapter two verses nineteen through twenty two. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in which the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So Paul makes it really clear that the Father's house, God's house, is his people. He dwells within his people. Right, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, there are other references to this as well um, in Scripture, but this is kind of the the I think a, a really important one. So, so the Father's house is His people. It is not a physical place. So, when two or more are gathered together, God is in their midst because He is with His people, right? Whether they're gathered in a church building or not. And I find that you know, just imagine. Or watch the video. Just watch the video. Um, if you were singing this song in a church service, you would come away with the idea that that physical building that you are in when you are singing is the Father's house. And that when you came into that literal building, you needed to let go of your mistakes and weaknesses, etc. And that it's just kind of being in there. That's where God is because you're actually in the place where God is, and you're you're singing and worshiping, and that's where the the magic happens. And then out there is not the magical place. Okay, so you walk through a kind of force field or something. Not literally, but there's a kind of barrier yeah. between well, a inside wall. and outside. Yeah, you, physically, you don't have to. It doesn't have sure. to be a meta. It doesn't have to be a um, a metaphorical barrier. You literally walk. You walk into a door, like he says in this chorus. 
check your shame at the door. Um, there is a physical door that people went through. Now, they don't check their shame there, but in a sense, the, at the physical door, they should kind of leave the outside behind and enter the presence of God because it's in the building. And this, uh, this group is all about the presence of God. It's in their mission statement. Um, it's like um, the, the whole kind of worship philosophy. I watched some videos on this um, worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, and, and this guy's uh, home church, too, does like a worship workshop as well. Um, but Bethel does one, too. And it's, uh, it's, it's all about the presence. It's all about figuring out how to be in the presence, and the presence, presence of God is kind of everything. And that, that happens in the church service. Now, I agree that God's presence is there in the church service, and, is, and I would even go so far as to say that God's presence is with us in a kind of unique way. Yes, you on know, a that, Sunday morning yes, in the church. that is sure. definitely true. So I'm not disputing that. But it's not because of the building. Right, and I just think this song makes quite a lot of the building. Paul makes it very clear in Ephesians that this is a this is a metaphorical structure. Like he's using the building clearly as a metaphor to describe the church. Well, and many of the churches that he was meeting with were in homes. Yes, in non right. not what we would now think of as church Correct. buildings. Correct. Whereas this song, I think, is doing the opposite. I feel like it's using language of the church. And by the church, I mean the people to actually describe a building. I, I'll object to. I will object to it on, on different grounds. Actually, this usage of okay. Father's house, because we actually have this two-word sequence or three-word sequence in Scripture where Christ talks about His Father's house, yeah. and we learn there are many mansions. There are many mansions. There are many dwelling many rooms, places. Yeah, and we clearly can tell from the Sermon on the Mount when He says this that he is referring not to a physical structure on this earth, at least not as it exists now, yeah. but he's referring to heaven. Yeah. And when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, well, he, he died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven to go and prepare a place for us. So I, I do think it is strange, and we, we see in a later uh, section of the song called The Bridge, that when the father is in the room, this happens and that happens and that happens. And yeah. so if if we're being picky, and I think we have every right to and maybe even need to in case someone is considering doing the song in their church, um, the presence of the Holy Spirit or Christ's presence through the Holy Spirit or God the Father's presence in the Holy Spirit um, is not the same thing as God the Father being in the yes, room. That's God correct. the Father does not have a yeah. body. It is right. we need to be very right. careful. Yes, correct. About how we describe correct our triune God. Right. The only person of the Trinity with a physical body is Christ. Took one on in yeah. the incarnation, and that's Jesus Christ. So we need to be very careful. No, good point. Good point. Okay. Um, can I just say one more thing about? <laughs> This, uh... Yes. Oh, wait, no, we've already said it. Okay. One more thing about the shame. In Psalm 34, uh, we learn that those who look to him, the Lord, are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. 
That is not to say that Christians will not uh, be tempted to shame at times yeah. or experience uh, shame. feel yeah. guilt or shame or something like that, but rather God alleviates that shame because we can cast our uh, guilt quite literally upon another person, yeah. and that is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, okay, verse 2. Colin, I, I know you're going to have fun with this second verse. And arrival's not the end game. The journey's where you are. And you never want it perfect. You just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over. If the story isn't good. And failure's never final when the father's in the room. Arrival's not the end game. The journey's where you are, capital Y. You never wanted perfect. You just wanted my heart. And the story isn't over if the story isn't good. A failure's never final when the father is in the room. A failure's never final when the father is in the room. Okay. So when I first read through this, I was very confused because I read, I just read the song lyrics. So we we come from, because it ain't, Welcome anymore, oh, you're in the Father's house. Arrival's not the end game. The journey's where you are. Right, because right, we like, just whoa, heard whoa, we were whoa. in a place. Is yeah, that what right, you mean? right, because the you, the last you was us. Yeah. And now this is, as you rightly said, the capital you. This is actually God. So he's just switched. The you has just switched. I see. To God. Because previously it was a generic pronoun it that was we used for yeah, yeah, you know, it was just whoever, your, yeah, yeah, yeah. he who is in yeah, this place. Exactly. And he doesn't really explain that, or just it just sort of happens. So Yes. My um, initial reading was identical. Arrival's not the end game, the journey's where you are. I read that as where I am or yeah, where Colin is. Because that's who he was talking about yeah, earlier. Exactly. Okay. So there's that that was a bit confusing. Also, we have the mixed metaphors, although he's tossed one out. So we don't have the artist metaphor anymore or the the kind of paint canvas metaphor we do have the journey so we're back to the journey arrival's not the end game the journey is where you are the father Um, and we also have the story so the story isn't over if the story isn't good um okay so it's a lot of a lot of concerns i have in this stanza um the journey's where you are. Um, no, I mean, yes, it's true. Like the journey, the journey's important. God is with us. We enjoy sanctification in this life. We enjoy the presence of God. We enjoy his word. Um, he works in us in this life. So the journey is clearly very, very important to God. But arrival is important too. I mean, again, it depends on what we mean by arrival. It doesn't really say what it is. But yeah, it needn't be one or the other. Yeah. God can be concerned right. with our progress and also the end goal. God is concerned with the. I mean, our perfection is super important in scripture, which is why it baffles me when he says, you never wanted perfect? Yeah. That is just fundamentally False. not true. All throughout scripture. That, that is so wrong, Right. Um, God does want perfect. He demands perfect. Um, what is perfect? Well, we learn in Psalm 19, verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect. Um, or um, Jesus' own words in the Sermon, uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Does that sound like uh, you never wanted perfect? Christ himself is saying 
perfection is absolutely essential. So what Asbury's, the mistake he's making here is he's realizing, okay, like, yep, we're not perfect. Um, But that doesn't mean that God's happy with that, right? Christ is, not only does Christ say you must be perfect as your father's perfect, he's living proof that perfection is the standard. That's right. Because nothing else right. could atone. Right. And so by missing this, Asbury just is completely bypassing the gospel because the way we become perfect is in Christ. Uh, this is what the author of Hebrews says, for example. There are many places where Scripture says this. Hebrews 10, verse 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So he does want perfect, and he gets it for, uh, by, b- through Christ, because Christ's perfect righteousness is applied to us. Any who are called, those who are, um, those who are in Christ, um, obtain his perfect righteousness. So um, I, there's just no—this is just a terrible, terrible, terrible line. Um, it either um, ignores the severity of our sin, or it undermines the holiness of Christ. Um, those are two things that just cannot be done. Psalm 5 tells us that evil may not dwell with the Lord. Does that sound like the Lord who does not want perfection? Of course not. I, I, one more thing about this arrival and journey false dichotomy— yeah. When Christ teaches his disciples to pray, there are aspects of that prayer that deal with everyday things, journey things, if you will. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. So there's a kind of – there's an aspect to it which implies progress, cooperation over time, uh, sustenance over time, our daily bread. But then there are aspects that point – to an end game, and it is a rival, right? Uh, we are to pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and uh, that is an end point. There yeah. will come a day when his kingdom will be fully established in the earth, and it is now. It is being borne out in real time, but there will come a day when sin and death will no longer curse this world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay, so so in my view, this this already, this is a uh, more than just a kind of error or a mistake in a song, like this is a kind of, this is a big problem. Um, there's also a line in here that I, or a couple lines that I also find problematic, not as problematic, but still a bit troubling. Um, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. This sounds like someone who made a bad Star Wars film and is saying, no, 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 you just don't get it yet. Right. The story's not over. You know, there's more. If you think it's not good, then the story hasn't really been completed yet. Yeah. So what does that, what does that mean? I, can I propose what that might yeah, mean? Yeah, go ahead. We have an if-then conditional here because we have an if um, introduced. So if the story isn't good then, or therefore, the story is not over. So uh, we do know that God is rewriting every story to ultimately 
bring about his glory. It will all ultimately yes. be a good So in that story. sense, yes, in like the aggregate sense, but this, this is true. But there's a big but. This, if you say to someone who is suffering in this world, well, you know, if, if you're sad about your loved one dying, you know, it's not over yet. Like you're like, <laughs> right, dude, get away from me. <laughs> right. I don't know. Right. So, and that's where God, this breaks down in this life. God does permit sad endings, and also um, into eternity. Yes, He permits sad endings Correct. to those who are opposed to Him. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, so on an individual level, this is fundamentally not true. Right now, in the broader scheme of things, even that, even the damnation of those who die in their sin is for the good, right? This is a good thing in God's sovereign will. And we can't quite understand that probably, but on the individual level, absolutely not. This is fundamentally wrong. Again, it's it's just wrong. Okay, what about a failure's never final when the father's in the room? <laughs> we don't know what failure means, sure. technically. Sure. Like, So if it means sin, we've got a big problem here because um, sin definitely is final um, in the sense that for those who die in their sin, um, they're, they're not, they're not going to purgatory. Uh, if I, I don't mean to offend any Catholics, but I do not believe there is such a thing as purgatory. Um, so there's no, there's no opportunity. Um, Sorry, Catholics, you won't get to sing Corey Asbury's yeah, Father's that's House true. at Mass in case next you, Sunday. In case, you were, in case your priest was thinking about, um, you know, busting out that song in the midst of his homily. no, uh, I recommend not. Um, yeah. So, but if fail, but if I don't know, failure doesn't necessarily mean sin. I guess it could could mean something else. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm not I'm not understanding it because it's incoherent. Either that or my brain isn't working. But what is the room? The father's in the room, so he's there too. There is also a failure in the room. Is that? When we personify failure and say, oh, yeah, you are a failure, like, is, is this describing human who is a failure, or is it a an error that was made that is now a failure? Oh, no. Um, Don't know. Yeah, and this in the room business, I mean, this comes up in the in the bridge, too. It's like, there's no causality here. Um, it's just that the father being there is somehow causing the failure not to be final. Like, we, what does the father do? And again, if this is God, it's weird to talk about him. It's true that he's everywhere, but and that God is everywhere, but I, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. it's well, a very an omnipresent God, you don't yeah. need to bound with things like in the room. Yeah. Because he would, if, if this is really based off of his omnipresence, then he's also outside of that room. Yeah. Too, so. And I get it. Like scripture does this. Scripture talks about God being in this place or, you know, you know well, obviously... Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't want to criticize this too much, but... He's in his holy temple. Yeah, 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 right. But he's also everywhere. Besides the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, okay. Prophesy with me today. Prodigals are coming home. Say, prodigals come home now. The helpless find home. Love, love is on. Prison doors fling. Prison doors swing wide, the dead come to life, singing love is on the moon, when the father's in the room, miracles, miracles take place, yeah, sinful fight faith. 
Prodigals come home. Is this imperative or is this a description of what they have done? <laughs> the helpless know. find hope. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Miracles take place. The cynical find faith. And love is breaking through when the father's in the room. The Jericho walls are quaking, strongholds now are shaken. Love is breaking through when the father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking. Oh, you heard it too. <laughs> I heard it too. I heard it. Jericho so, walls. Okay. When I first heard him say Jericho walls at the end of that, I didn't know that's what he was saying. And I had to play it back a couple of times because I heard, what did you go? And I thought, wow, is this Rage Against the Machine playing backup for Corey Asbury? No, it is not. It is not. Okay. These are things that God brings about. God brings prodigals home. God helps the helpless find hope. Um, I don't know what love is on the move means. That makes me think of Aslan is on the move. Yes. But, you know, so I don't know what love is on the move means. I have no idea. But, I don't know, could be true. Uh, prisoners' doors fling wide. Yeah, pr- or prison doors fling wide. Yep, that happened in in Acts. Uh, the dead come to life. That that definitely happened in Scripture. Uh, miracles. Yep. Cynical. Fine. Yep. I mean, doubting Thomas. There you go. Uh, the Jericho walls definitely were quaking, and the strongholds are shaken. I, strongholds, I think, is a uh, euphemism. Euphemism. Yeah. Yeah, this is a kind of Christian phrase that often means like uh, dominions of darkness, you know, kind of satanic strongholds. And in kind of Pentecostal and charismatic world, which you didn't ever experience, but I did, if someone uses the phrase stronghold, they typically mean... Principalities. Yeah, yeah, it's a kind of Ephesians 6 kind of um, idea. And it's sort of like there are these spiritual strongholds where where satan is particularly entrenched exactly so like you know a a um like that liberal university right is a stronghold of satan okay so this is a little bit closer to what i was thinking then if that's what you mean that's the Um, look in my background of use of this word that's the sort of thing this would mean i wasn't thinking of universities but when i read this i thought either this is an abstraction about sin like one who is caught in sin or addiction or something I don't think like so. that that's not normally what that means or uh there is an institution which this yeah. person is oppressed by and yes. or they perceive themselves yes. to be oppressed by so like someone who someone who owes a lot of money to a debtor yeah uh, or sorry maybe a bank a debtor. yeah so someone yeah. who is a debtor mm. to banks might perceive that bank as oppressing them Correct. by wanting yeah. the money that was loaned yeah. back and, or, with interest. Or say it's the church, right? Say the sure. church took out a loan on their building and they're having trouble paying it back. They might even make the claim in a, in a, in a charismatic setting that that bank is, is a stronghold of Satan. 
And I I don't even think they have to be charismatic. Okay. To say that. I, okay. I think there are probably some cessationist that churches. That would have that view as well. In fact, I know that's the case because okay. I know some churches, they don't, it's not about debtors and things like that, but they will say that the, and these are very, um, cessationist, very <laughs> cessationist, um, reformed people who will say this or that institution or this or that political movement. Oh, is sure. Or political party. Yeah, yeah. Or political party. Yes. Is of the devil or something right. like that. Or, or represents the devil's work yeah. in a kind of systemic way sure. in this place. And that sounds to me also like a stronghold. But in any event, yeah, the strongholds are shaken. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so my issue with this is not so much about the things that are said that are true. It's just, what's the point of the father being in the room? So, I, I don't know, this isn't really ascribing causality to God. It's just saying that he's there. Oh, like a talisman or something like well, that. Well, yeah. Like, sure. Like, he's just, like, none of this is saying because he's in the room, or none of, like, so it's not even ascribing causality to him, and it's definitely not saying how he's doing any of this. Like, and that's a pretty important ingredient in this story, is what is the Father actually doing to yeah. make these things happen? We just have no sense of it. It's just a vague presence. Right, and that gets me back to those comments I was saying earlier, which I will not rehash because they were quite long and uh, torturous boring. in the way that I put it. Exactly, absolutely, just uh, probably lost most of our listeners. But for the few that are still listening, right, this just gets back to my point about context. Um, this song seems to really emphasize the church, the kind of charismatic church service as the place where God is, and that magic happens, um, and it's unclear why and how but it just kind of does. And this bridge, I think, really really is the, the kind of pinnacle of that in my interpretation. Yeah, so when I read this and I read about the prison doors flinging wide and things like that, I thought that the father's house must be very big and must have a prison in it because if if the father is in the room, then these prison doors whose who are flinging wide or which are flinging wide open are also in the room, right? Yeah. If, if that's what we mean when we say in the room. And also somehow Jericho is in the room that the father is in if the Jericho walls are tumbling. Yeah. And it, it's incoherent if you try and think about it literally. It yeah. has to be kind of vague and spiritual. And frankly, the, the love thing, the love is on the move, what does that mean? Love breaking Or love through. is breaking through. Now that comes right after Jericho and the stronghold shaking. And I thought of Joshua chapter six, when God instructs Joshua how they will uh, conquer right. Jericho. They killed every living thing in Jericho <laughs> right. except for Rahab the prostitute <laughs> and her house. Right. That would not have felt to the inhabitants of Jericho like love breaking through. Right, right. That would have felt like violent, brutal conquest. And I'm yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not making a commentary about the ethics of the conquest. Well, yeah, if God but, says to do something, you do it. Yes, but I'm just saying that is a very trite way to talk yeah. about what happened yes. at Jericho. I, perhaps it's not even helpful to get into this, but there are reasons why the Canaanites were an offense to God yeah, yeah. over and above perhaps uh, your average sinner. But I, I don't even think I don't even think the song is going that far, right? The song is just conveniently using the Jericho image when it suits it and then bringing in this love breaking through thing, even though 
Yeah. It does not align no, at all with the, that. It's just like situational scripture use, right? Yes. The love that is displayed at Jericho is God providing his people yes. a place that they could never have conquered on their right. own. They could never have overcome right. with what they had. And and he and sort of in a, in effect like cleansing the land for them, right? He's 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 totally wiping the slate clean, including human you know, including um various peoples in that land. Um it's it's a it's a quite aggressive love for his people. Um but it is not necessarily a simple or easy love to explain. Yeah. And yeah, but but of course he as th- this song does not burden itself in any way with trying to deal with complexity. Okay. All that being said, we just to let's put a bow on this. Yeah. Song. Colin, what are what are some concluding things that you would say about it? So yeah, uh, I mean I I don't have to say too much more. The the metaphors are mixed. The um the biblical images and concepts are certainly there. There are several of them. There are allusions to scripture and so on and so forth. They are watered down or incoherent or in some cases just abused, uh, like tortured in many respects. Um, there's kind of a general theme of forgiveness, but even that is expressed poorly. Like we don't, like that's, that seems to be kind of the theme of the song that I get out of it overall is that he's trying to say that God forgives. I think that's what he's saying. God forgives and he he does wonderful things for the people he forgives. I think that's kind of what he's trying to say, but just in this I don't know, dumb way. I don't I don't know. I'm trying to think of some better word. I mean the 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 academics speak for dumb is problematic in a problematic way. This is a problematic song. Would you have any additional thoughts, Tyler? I am cynical of this song not for the kind of charismatic aspects of it, but for the manipulative arc that it follows. And it it does quite a familiar, predictable thing if you're aware of it. It opens with this reassuring, gentle tone. It assures you that you need not feel shame. You can lay your burdens down. You're comfortable Mm -hmm. here. It swells and grows to this great big passionate moment in the middle where you know prisoners are being free strongholds are shaken jericho's quaking everything's Mm -hmm. tumbling down and there's this climactic experience and then a calming down and this template is i understand it's quite common not just in christian music but it's i think it's really overdone here and there are some borderline blasphemous things said about God in this song that yeah. I don't think you can just no. look over. No. So, yeah, I, I will say, like the academics you're mocking, unfor- I hate to use their language, but it is a problematic <laughs> song. <laughs> and uh, I'll use it literally. I mean, there are problems that you yeah. can point to with some of the some of the language. So, yeah. Colin, what'd you give it? One of the five non-refundable fees... Because if you want to go to the uh, Bethel School of Worship or whatever, it's a $750 fee that is very clearly on the website, non-refundable, non-transferable to any other Bethel event or product. So 
If you pay that $750, you better get to you that better conference. go to the worship conference, which is led by various celebrities in the Bethel movement. Okay. So, you know. Well, it's something to consider. If if you're thinking about putting 750 into that, um, may I propose that you put 750 into the worship reviews coffers <laughs> while you're which, at it? Which would more than pay pay for our uh, our hosting fees and all of that. Sure. Yes. Tyler, what did you give the song? I'll give it two out of five Jericho wows. <laughs> and yes, I said wow, because he says walls, but the way he says it sounds like wows. And as I said before, when I first heard it, I could not figure out what he said until I deciphered it looking at the lyrics. I was going to say, that part I found funny, but on, on reflection and just watching the whole song performance, I just have to marvel at the control that the man has over his voice. I mean, he is always on pitch. I mean, he can put his voice anywhere and it's on pitch. And he's got this nice gravel in his voice. I mean, he's very pleasant to listen to as a singer. Well, you you mentioned his control over his voice, and I do think it's impressive. And it's the very reason, in my mind, why the Jericho Walls exclamation stands out as it does. Because it comes on the tail end of a chorus that, yes, it has been loud, but it's been very restrained. Yeah. The the vocals are yeah. you know clear and pure and everything. And then at the end of the chorus there's this moment where he kind of lets loose into mm-hmm. something else and then dials it way back again to finish mm-hmm. the song out. And I think that's what I was picking up on too. Because mm. it's not as if the refrain was sung as, let your burdens yeah, down yeah, right, right. here in the Father's house. It was controlled and then out of nowhere and it made me stop and you know put down what I was doing and, and really look at him. Jericho, wow! Well, listeners, that is our episode on Corey Asbury's The Father's House. Let us know how we did. Give us some feedback. Did we miss something obvious? Did we pick up on something that you hadn't thought of before? Were we completely right about something? Were we completely (laughs) wrong about something? Let us know. Uh, Send us your uh, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, um, Chibo Inu coin, anything you have. Uh, No fiat currency, please. We will take any lack of feedback as confirmation that we are correct in all things. I do that by default. So if we don't hear from you, we will assume we are perfect. Uh, And thank you to Australians for listening to the show. If you had not listened, we would not be here doing this. So thank you so much. Take care. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.